but if we do have any Gen Z listeners, I was going to just say sheesh, but it feels weird. It feels fake now. <laughs> and I think that proves my point. Welcome to No Planet B, a podcast where we're talking about climate change and its effects on planet A. I'm Wyatt. And I'm Brianna, and this is our sixth take on this intro. <laughs> and the best one yet. The best one by far. Uh, this episode is just going to be Bri and I talking about news, articles, interactions with listeners like Twitter and uh, emails that we've gotten and uh, Instagram replies, actually. Bri, do you want to start us off? Oh, we're with... just going to go right into it? I think so. Unless, did, did you want to do some banter first, or do you think feel like I need to introduce more? Did you want to do some banter? <laughs> I don't know what kind of banter. <laughs> um, well, no, we can do some quick banter if you want to. What's the um, the Wienermobile? Have you heard about this thing? Yeah. Dude, hold on, let me go. I didn't expect you to know about that one. Let me Google uh, banter. Banter ideas. Banter ideas. Also, guys, we've been getting a lot of um, questions about the contraceptive. No plan B. Um, different thing. Different thing. Different. Different thing. Concept. Brie, I have some banter ideas. Yeah. This is this comes from the website google.com forward slash search and then banter ideas, and the first thing that comes up is, has anyone ever told you you'd look great with a purple mohawk? No. Next one. You again. I can't be seen talking to you. <laughs> That's fair. I wouldn't want to either. Bree, would you like to start us off with some news? News. Yes, I would love to. Um, so the EPA decided to acknowledge climate change again on their website. Yeah, what, what exactly was their... Um... Did they shut down the EPA's website, or did it not have a climate change section? So basically, um, if you went to whitehouse.gov during the Trump administration, they got rid of the whole climate change section that was previously on it during the Obama administration, talking about how climate change is affecting the globe, because um, <laughs> the, the Trump administration just basically didn't agree with it. Or, it, it, I mean, mm-hmm. didn't didn't agree with it, didn't want to make it, like, public, accessible. Because yeah. so, basically nothing, nothing about it benefited them, right? Right, under their, I guess, values. So it's nice having that back. That's cool. I mean, that's exciting. It's, it feels like a weird world that we live in where that's, like, a good piece of news and not just, like, something that shouldn't have had to happen. Yeah, so... Basically, the EPA now has a webpage 
including greenhouse gas emissions data, mm-hmm. um, scientific reports, climate change programs within the EPA, and throughout the federal government. And they're going to be updating it within the next weeks and months to come. That's exciting. Are you ready for me to pop off? Sure. I'm going to pull it away to uh, NFTs. We're going to talk about NFTs for a second. So NFTs are something that I initially was excited about, like when I first heard about them, because uh, a lot of musicians that I know of started releasing these cool pieces of art and were auctioning them off. And it seemed like maybe a cool way for musicians and artists to make money, specifically like digital artists. And in some ways it is, but the, if you don't know what an NFT is, I'm not an expert, but I have been keeping up with it a little bit. NFT stands for non-fungible tokens. Um, it is basically a, like a code that is attached to a piece of art or something, anything pretty much digital. And it certifies something as like a unique one of a kind thing. So you own that thing because you own this little thing, like a code that you purchased. And it makes it like kind of creates this cool um, rarity and like scarcity in the digital art world. That's, you know, kind of cool from an artist's perspective, but NFTs tend to use um, a currency, a cryptocurrency called Ethereum. And Ethereum basically uses a lot of energy, it has a lot of carbon emissions because of the amount of electricity that goes into creating that currency. So NFTs are traded with something called Ethereum. And for someone to get Ethereum in the first place, they have to do what's called mining, where they set up their computer to uh, basically solve puzzles and it's intended to take up a lot of energy and time. And that's kind of where the value is established. There's one example that was an NFT called Space Cat. That was a GIF of a cat in a rocket heading to the moon. And the carbon footprint of that, just that one NFT is equivalent to a European resident's electricity usage for two months, which is absolutely buck wild. So there's a lot of, there are a lot of carbon emissions being created because of NFTs. And there are a lot of artists that are trying to offset it. They will still release these digital artworks that are attached to NFTs, but they'll donate a lot of the money, half the money, whatever, to carbon offset programs, which is kind of cool. But at the same time, the carbon emissions that go into the air and the money you give to a carbon offset program are not one in one, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Like an artist being responsible or being at least partially responsible for these carbon emissions, just basically throwing money at a carbon offset program, I feel like is not a direct solution to the problem in the first place. But is there an alternative, Wyatt, to that mechanism that is creating all these emissions? Yeah, um, there's one that's that uh, I believe Ethereum has been hinting at switching to. So the one where computers mine for cryptocurrency and take up a lot of energy is called proof of work and the one that they're going to ideally switch to soon is called proof of stake where instead of the value being created by your computer working really hard your value is basically displayed by cryptocurrency that you're just investing into it in the first place so you don't have to mine for anything you just have to invest a certain amount of money ethereum has been talking about switching to that for a few years and it may end up being soon but who knows promises promises you know what i mean what are some more specific examples of nfts like 
for someone trying to picture it in their head. It can be literally like a screenshot of someone's tweet. It can be like an animated cat that's totally just glowing and glistening and uh, like with music in the background or something. And that's just like a, a GIF that you now own because you have a unique code that proves that you own that thing. A lot of musicians have been releasing NFTs and it'll be maybe just like a video, like a 10 or 15 second video of their music and some artwork that is animated. There are a lot of musicians making a lot of money. I think there's a musician whose name is Blau, like three LAU. He sold a collection for 11.7 million. It's kind of hard to wrap your head around it. Mm -hmm. Another a cool analogy that I heard um, about NFTs and like whether or not they're directly responsible for these emissions is like buying a plane ticket to, to fly overseas or something. If you buy that plane ticket, you'll go on that plane, you'll go on the flight, and you're maybe kind of responsible for those carbon emissions. But if you don't buy that plane ticket, that plane may still take off and fly whether or not you're there. So like NFTs are not the the thing causing these emissions, but they are something that uses the cryptocurrency that is attached to the emissions. So the NFTs can basically increase the demand of these things and then make the emissions more common. So they're not directly responsible, but they are a part of it, you know? So Ethereum is just like a popular form of cryptocurrency? Yeah, from what I understand. Got it. Do you want to hop into one of yours? <coughs> sure. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, some audience interaction. We love hearing from you guys. Jason on Instagram wonders if there are private recycle companies that exist for small businesses to subscribe to. So, so yeah, I was looking into this and it's, it's weird. It's like not necessarily in regards to small businesses, but I wondered this when I lived in Tallahassee in the college town, why a bunch of apartment complexes didn't seem to have recycling, hmm. even, even though like on the more like younger family side of town, it seemed like everyone had recycling. So why is it really that hard to get? Like, why is it like that? Um, and doing some research on it, you can look and see just by going online if your local government requires your landlord to provide you with it. Um, in particular, in Tallahassee, which is where a lot of people we know live, because we went to school there and grew up there, um, you can request recycling at your apartment online. It's on a per request basis. So they don't mm. necessarily have to give it to you unless you ask for it. Um, and then residential recycling is free within city limits for commercial businesses. I couldn't find anything smaller than what the city offers. Like there wasn't any specifically small private recycling companies, um, just because it's actually really expensive to have a recycling company in general. But looking at Tallahassee's plan for solid waste, for a commercial business, one day a week, it's about $60 a month. So mm. basically what I would suggest is just like looking at your city's recycling services online, but every city is going to be different. So that's kind of a tough thing to answer. I don't know if maybe some cities are going to be like harder to get access because they're smaller or mm. they just aren't as progressive. I know Tallahassee is primarily pretty progressive, um, so we're pretty big on recycling. Yeah, it's important to note that recycling is very expensive. Starting a recycling business can cost like tens of thousands of dollars. That's mm. why there's not smaller ones readily available. 
but yeah, no, that's a really good question. So I'll put the links up for Tallahassee and specifically how to request recycling if you're at an apartment complex like I was and there wasn't anything available, which is really just disheartening if like, you know, Mm -hmm. you really care about that sort of thing. Do we know, do we know why recycling is so expensive? Is that a dumb question? Like, do we know exactly why it's getting so expensive that some cities are like cutting back on recycling or not recycling at all? Well, it's expensive because of the operations, like Mm. to maintain, because people don't really know. I'm not saying everyone, but like there's a huge problem with people not really knowing what to recycle. They mean well, but they're throwing stuff in that is like messing up the machines. And so machines are expensive to upkeep. Um, like just one tiny thing can like mess up an entire group of recyclables. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just an expensive process, especially if people aren't doing it correctly, which I know a lot of people mean well, but they just aren't educated That's on true. what's recyclable and what's not. So That's true. And then there's the whole like transportation thing too, you know, getting it around. That's not cheap. Mm-hmm. So picking it up. What were you saying? For example, like if you have, if you just ate a, a whole pizza by yourself, like, <laughs> like hy- you did, hypothetically, do you, um, and like the, and the box is like super greasy. Can you recycle that greasy pizza box or does that have to go in the trash because now it's like covered in grease? Do you know what I mean? I feel like this is the age old question that people keep asking me. Yeah, it's definitely not, um, Throw that away, please. The box, the <laughs> box says that it's recyclable, but then you put pizza grease on it, and all of a sudden, no more. Does it say it's recyclable? Oh, absolutely. Are you sure about that? Because I've never seen that. Well, now you're making me. <laughs> well, now you're making me think about it. Like maybe it's not recyclable in the first place. <laughs> it's, it's not. Why? It's, it's definitely not. Can you recycle? Okay, we usually don't do this. See, this is wishful thinking. We usually don't do this on the show. <laughs> we never do this on the show. But I'm going to Google something really quick and just because this isn't this isn't going to be a science heavy topic. Um, can you recycle pizza boxes? <laughs> yes, if they are clean. They're the second you put a pizza in a pizza box, it's not clean. Most pizza boxes have food debris attached to them and a lot of grease. Any heavily greased cardboard can be torn off and put in the trash before putting the clean cardboard in the recycling stream. So you can. So the answer Typically, may be rip it up and keep the greasy stuff out yeah it says typically only the top half of the box there it is there's never a simple answer i'm still not buying it you're not buying pizza oh gosh i don't know man who i mean there's probably someone out there that would not be lazy and take out the top but i'm telling you no one no No one's gonna spend time doing that and if you do like kudos to you but kudos to you but the average person may not. Yeah. Maybe, maybe next episode I'll do more research on recycling and why demand for recycling has gone down or like why it's no longer as viable as it used to be. Cause I'm really interested in that now. Um, all right. I'm going to pull you away from that one because Maisie on Instagram brought up to us that a lot of people seem to think climate change is quote unquote China's fault. And I'm here it's to not. I'm here to tell you it's not. I'm here to tell you, well, I mean, obviously they're contributing, but so is everyone else. Um, the, I feel like the rhetoric of 
China needs to do such and such before the rest of us can do such and such is basically just an excuse. It's kind of like a political excuse to not take action. Um, because I mean, the U S has been the main cause of climate change. I think up until 2015 is when China surpassed the U S. So up until 2015, it has been the U S and then, uh, China is just more industrializing and kind of catching up. Basically, they have a lot of momentum in how much they're growing. Uh, so now they are number one, as far as their contribution to climate change. But in the grand scheme of how long we've been emitting, they kind of just got there. Uh, so to say it's it's China's fault would be to ignore basically from like 2015 and before. That's my first point about why it's not China's fault. But the United States is the best. <laughs> hot take. You know, hot take. That is a very hot take. Um <laughs> The U.S. is not the best because my other point is that per person, the United States does have more emissions than China. Like as a whole, yes, China does contribute more, but per person, the United States emits more. And in that way, there's more potential for reduction in emissions. China is also on track to uh, peak its carbon emissions before 2030 because they're, they've uh, committed to that goal. And it looks like they're kind of heading towards it, whereas the United States isn't really making a strong like political commitment to climate change goals. With uh, Biden's administration, they're getting a little bit closer, but it's still a little bit too soon to see like if we're going in the correct direction and uh, if we'll actually reach those goals. It's just a bad argument in general, too, that... Like, no one country can mm-hmm. do it alone. Like, we all have to be in this together because we're, we're all contributing in our own special little way. <laughs> special so, big ways, sometimes. Like Bob Ross would say, happy Aww. little ways. Um, and China's still developing. It's still got a lot of poverty. Um, yeah. To blame them would just kind of be silly. To blame them would be silly because they've got a lot of poverty and... What that means is that they're going to have a lot of energy demand in the future. So, like, yeah, they might keep industrializing and keep causing more emissions, but hopefully they keep on track with their goals. But we'll just maybe we'll just have to keep uh, keep up with China and see how they do next week. I'll look up how China's doing and see if they're still on track for their goals. Every week I'll make a segment on, on is China keeping on track with their 2030 goals. But then are we... Um... China. Welcome to the China cast. Are we undercutting China? Maybe. Yeah, sounds Maybe. like it. Uh, also, Donald Trump did call climate change a Chinese hoax. Yes, Let he me... did. <laughs> he did say that global warming was created uh, by and for the Chinese in order to make United States manufacturing non-competitive. I think later he said it was a joke, but that did not stop people from believing it for sure. He also still uses the word hoax a lot, even a after lot. saying that that was a joke. He, he, we don't have to get into this because I don't want to get too negative on No Planet B, but he did refer to climate change as a money-making industry. We've talked to a lot of people that work in and around climate change. I would argue that you and I kind of work in climate change, and mm-hmm. I can tell you it's not a money-making industry, Mr. Donald. 
Yeah, definitely not. I think there are some ways that maybe, but on the whole, that's kind of a that's a farce, Mr. Donald. All right. And so now we've got Twitter digs where we're just going to find some stuff on Twitter, climate change related and uh and expose it. Exposed. Like the journalists we are. Get your shovel out, Wyatt. Time to dig. <laughs> I'm going to put some audio of digging sounds. Welcome to the Twitter dig. Uh, This one we may be a little bit late to, but it's still incredibly interesting to me. (laughs) Yeah. It's uh, a website, or it's a a scientific, quote-unquote, scientific journal called Inference that on the surface can seem like it has some pretty reputable articles. But is, well, tell me, tell me this. What is pseudoscience? <laughs> pseudoscience, yeah. Pseudoscience is basically just things that are not scientific, but are touted in a scientific way to make you feel like it can be. That's kind of how I would define pseudoscience. So, how does pseudoscience relate to this um, journal inference? This is an article on uh, Mother Jones, written by Adam Becker, who was contacted by this journal inference um, to promote his book on quantum physics but upon looking into this journal there were some really really reputable scientists and like writers including uh noam chomsky and george ellis and so you might hear that and be like oh well that's a pretty reputable journal there's some stuff published in there that's like capital s scientific and (laughs) <laughs> is, is is written by like prominent scientists but there are also some nasty little articles that try to argue that climate change isn't real and that evolution isn't real they are trying to build a platform of having a reputation of being scientific and then placing these pseudoscience things on that same platform as if to give these pseudoscience articles more clout kind of does that make sense yeah, so it's almost like if you built this like on the outside, it looks like it's like a health food um, restaurant, mm-hmm. like a veil or something, if anyone knows what that is, <laughs> <laughs> or like, just like your typical, you're wa- walking down the road and it looks like there's smoothies and like green food in there, <laughs> mm. but in, in reality, um, they're serving like fast food. I don't know. Yeah. That's just kind of what it seems yeah, like. Yeah, like this, this, from the perspective of someone who is scientific, capital S, yeah. inference is basically playing two truths and a lie. They're publishing things that are true and are like from prominent scientists and then saying things that are attacking evolution or attacking climate change. And it just makes you wonder. So they'll have smoothies, but they'll also have like french fries. <laughs> They're really trying to sell those French fries, yeah. No, it's wild. This um, <laughs> this Peter guy, Peter Thiel, is that his name? Yeah, the inve- the Did- biggest investor. I don't think I covered that, but the biggest investor to this yeah. inference was a uh, Silicon Valley tycoon investor. I don't know that much about <laughs> Peter, to be honest, but. So this guy is known for having like questionable. <laughs> beliefs <laughs> um 
Yeah, he definitely doubts the validity of climate change. He's kind of a wet sandwich. Um. (laughs) 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 But anyway, so he put a lot of money towards this um, scientific journal, which is interesting, right? So... Take a Brie, take it away with a with another Twitter dig, and I'm gonna put the shovel sound in right there. Thank you. If you don't know who Amy Coney Barrett is, and I um, and I don't. You really don't. I really don't, and I'm okay. very sorry, but I don't. <laughs> well, get ready. Okay. She is one of the associate justices of the Supreme Court, um, appointed by Trump. She is the newest one. And That's right. Yes. Yes. So she's pretty much like a right-leaning one. Um, mm-hmm. So this little <laughs> situation with Amy, she heard a climate change case against her father's ex-employer shell. That just doesn't seem like right, right? Mm-hmm. Like she was. So she presided over a dispute pitted against the city of Baltimore against some of fo- the fossil fuel industry's biggest. Um, players if you will Mm -hmm. and her dad was formerly employed to shell which was one of the um industries involved in the case wait so she presided over a dispute between baltimore and shell her dad works at shell used to so it's weird because when she was a lower court judge before she was appointed at the supreme court she would excuse herself from having anything to do with cases involving Shell mm-hmm. to avoid a possible conflict of interest. Baltimore sued the fossil fuel companies in 2018 for alleged violations of Maryland statutes prohibiting fraud, deception, and related misconduct. Shell and other defendants um, like BP, Exxon, Chevron, they sought to move Baltimore's lawsuit from Maryland state court to federal. Fossil fuel companies argued that the case belonged in federal court It says that a climate change lawsuit like Baltimore's can only be resolved by federal law because the impact of carbon emissions is national in scope. Barrett did not clearly signal a preference for either party, but she did appear to push back against granting the fossil fuel companies the full relief they're seeking. Do you think this was a good move for her to be involved in this case, or do you think that there was a possible conflict of interest. I'd say that's that's too big of a conflict of interest. I guess maybe because it's a previous employer, it's not that big, but... Mm-hmm. And as far as, like, if she doesn't do it, who would step in to do it instead? I don't know about the details of that, but gut check, for me, seems like you should not do that. Especially if in the past you have felt that it is important enough for you to step back, and now you're just... Right. Now you have more power, I guess. You're deciding to get involved. I don't know. Yeah, what changed, I wonder. What that changed? Would, that's just kind of iffy to me. You yeah. Know? Kind of sus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Among Us reference. <laughs> that's ancient now. Jeez. Yeah, ancient history. <laughs> I hate how quickly things die, Wyatt. Like, you Tell can't me about have it, anything man. nice for too long, you know? Yeah. We're just such consumers. We consume and consume and consume, and nothing, nothing lasts. Nothing sticks. And overconsumption a theme Mm. in both media and climate reality yeah that's that's annoyingly deep you don't have to put that in (laughs) no I'm gonna leave that in and that concludes our twitter digs here I'm gonna put the digging sound right here 
Put the shovel back in the ground. Yeah, put the shovel back in. <laughs> All right. Well, that is going to do it for us today. Um, if you want to follow us on Instagram, we are No Planet Bcast, and we have the same name on Twitter. Our email is noplanetbfsu at gmail.com. And if you've listened this far, it'd be awesome if you could go on iTunes and leave us a rating of whatever you think is fair. Um, if we have any Gen Z listeners, it feels weird referring to them as Gen Z because like technically, Brie, I think you and I are Gen Z. We're just at the very, very end of it. We're at the cutoff. We're at the cutoff. Um, yeah. But if we do have any Gen Z listeners, <laughs> I was going to just say sheesh. But it feels weird. It feels fake now. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that proves my point. And with that, Bree, do you have any jokes at the end of at the end of the at the top of the show right now? At the end of the show, I mean. Oh. Do you have any jokes for uh, us at the end here? Oh, um. So before we started recording this episode, I was out of wine glasses and I put some wine in a mug of mine uh-huh. and um, my sister was like, oh, you're drinking coffee? It's kind of late. And I was like, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> how would she know? You know, like, how would they know? How would they know? <laughs> no one ever really knows what's in the mug. Yeah. yeah. And that's it for me. And that's Bree's outro joke. Thanks for listening, uh, thanks guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the internet. Yeah.